Hello and welcome to the Book of Lee's podcast. My name is Cara and I am your host. Welcome to the Book of Leaves podcast, an Irish podcast where I interview people who are doing something good for the planet and the whole idea is I and you, the listeners, can take a leaf out of the guest book to add our own way of eco-friendly living. You might be hearing a cock, cock, what's the word? Cuck, not cuckooing, cockerel. What is the word when a male chicken does a cockadoodle-doo? Well, you might hear him in the background. It's because I'm recording this from the grounds of a house that I'm working on this week. Um, I, I work as an actor by trade and I'm working on an outdoor family-friendly show that I do nearly every summer. And I thought this would be a lovely area to record the intro and outro of this week's podcast, which is going to be all about youth activism and activism in general. So even if you're not a UN or EU classified young person, which I think is now under what the age of 35 and there is still a lot in this for you Um, Jessica is one of the activists that protested at the Mary Robinson Climate Conference that if you follow me on Instagram you would have seen me talk about where basically there was this really great climate conference in Ballina in Mayo and then unfortunately there was a time when Jessica, Saoirse Exon and another activist called Magdalena stood up to protest our uh, one of our ministers that are leading the country, Eamon Ryan, and the inaction we've seen thus far. And they were kind of uh, shushed by some of the crowd. Uh, some of the crowd there were not happy with their presence, thought what they were um, doing was disrespectful. And I was going to make a mashup of, oh, the rain is starting to come now, so you might hear a nice little bit of background rain. But um, I was going to do a mashup of you know, thoughts from the climate conference, but I wanted to platform one of the activists who was shush instead. So she doesn't have to be shushed on this podcast. So we probably spend about 15 minutes talking about the Mary Robinson climate conference and the importance of having a unified front. Um, but we touch on some other topics as well, which you can always see in the show notes. If at any point in any of my interviews, you want to skip ahead or only want to listen to certain parts, if you click into the about or more section of each episode, you'll see the timestamps listed there. You'll see everything as well that we mentioned linked in the show notes. If there's any books or anything like that, um, you'll find them below. And before we start playing Jessica's interview, I also want to let you guys know that Climate Camp is happening this week, I believe. What week are we in now? Yeah, Sunday the 6th of August. So the 10th, so Thursday I think it is, or Wednesday this week, you'll have to, I have no internet right now so I can't actually double check this, but Climate Camp is happening, organised by Schliella, mentioned in the last episode, so... But you don't, it's free, you just book a place um, and if you've any trouble kind of finding a way to Leitrim where it's going to be happening, then just uh, shoot them a message and they'll organise a way to get you there. And I think it's really important. I unfortunately can't go because of work. I can't afford to miss work for this. But I am raging because I've only heard amazing things about it. And I really hope that as many of you can make it. We've all seen the weather recently. We're all experiencing how things are literally heating up and going a bit berserk. And we need to kind of ramp up our climate action um, where and when we can. And Climate Camp is one of the best skill sharing, community building ways of doing that. Especially if you don't know anyone in the movement. It's a beautiful community to enter into. Oh, listen to this rain. Just beautiful. 
Um, so if you do enjoy this podcast and the work that I do, you can please share it with a friend, share it into any groups that you're in. Uh, word of mouth is the most popular way that um, podcasts are shared. Oh, wow. Can you hear how heavy this is getting? <gasps> so I'm standing under a tree right now. Oh, lads. I mean, this Irish summer, we're, it's, it's doing all sorts of things. But yeah, I just I love the sound of, of rain. But yeah. This uh, weather is joining us in for the podcast. So if you do enjoy the work that I do, uh, share it with a friend. Please, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, you can rate and review it. Only takes a couple of seconds, quite literally. And if you have um, spare cash, if you have enough financial stability that you're able to support this podcast financially, I do have a Patreon and a Buy Me A Coffee that you can support either one, which are also linked below. Any support there is greatly appreciated and I cannot thank my other listeners who are already supporting me and have supported me um, financially so far. It really means the world because this isn't free to make. Um, there's always costs and everything that go into a podcast. Okay, so I've chatted to you for long enough and I hope you enjoyed this little ambient, ambient, um, ambient, there we go, ambient intro to the podcast. Here's Jessica. Don't forget to give her a follow on your socials and you'll find me on Instagram as well and stick around after for a very quick outro. I'm Jessica, Jessica Dunn. I'm a climate activist with Fridays for Future and Young Friends of the Earth and I'm also a poet, songwriter, artist, just a lot of shite talking, to be <laughs> honest. And yeah, that's me. I love it. And so was Fridays for Future the kind of first climate movement that you got involved with? I Yeah, Fridays for Future. I went to the first climate strike and I just immediately was like, oh, this is something that I need to do. I need to get involved with this because... I feel like there's this sense of climate anxiety that everybody kind of has. And Mm -hmm. for me, it was just festering because I had no idea what to do about it. And then I went to that climate strike and I was like, oh, I actually have a voice. I can do something. And just immediately I pestered everybody I saw at that protest until I got into all the group chats and started organizing, basically. (gasps) Amazing. That's really cool. You're, You're someone who very much like insert yourself into the movement and was like how can I help in what way that's really cool because when I actually I ended up in Extinction Rebellion kind of like skirting around the edges been like oh I'll come here and I'll come here and then someone was like can you help us with a thing I was like oh yeah I didn't even realize I could do this so I kind of wish I did what you did and went into the movement and been like how can I help so that's really cool and what pushed you to go to the first climate strike was I guess an awareness of the climate something you already had growing up or was there a catalyst for that? Yeah, honestly, I think I, I think there was always an underlying sense that we knew that there was a climate crisis. And then that year, there was obviously a lot more in the media about it. Mm. And I remember like a teacher talking to me about it. And I was like, oh, no, this is a problem. But again, no idea what to do about it. So then I was like, OK, brilliant. This is something at least. And then it just kind of all snowballed from there. I love it. And was your school supportive? So that teacher you're talking about, like, was there a couple of supportive ones? and Or how, what was the general vibe? Uh, the general vibe, I think that there's always a sense that when things are far away from home, you can be very supportive of it. So every teacher you talk to will love Greta Thunberg. But if you say, I want to go on strike, they'll not support it so much. <laughs> yeah. So my school was more supportive than most. And they never penalized me for anything. But there wasn't a sense of, yes, go strike, get on that picket line, which like fair. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, because because a lot of them that's such a good point a lot of them support the cause in theory and mm. love seeing Greta Thunberg and the students but then they think about 
not my students. Yeah. Not my classes. No, and I know it's kind of stressful for teachers because they have like a lot to fit in a curriculum, but it's Fridays for our future. So that's the kind of point of it. And how has your experience been? Like, there's also been insert pandemic here since the whole thing started. So like, how have you found your journey to be? Like, what are some of your favorite moments or were there also times where you gave up and then you didn't for some reason or okay so big moments um september 2019 Mm -hmm. we got 20,000 students on the streets um of dublin and Mm -hmm. like in it it was incredible like biggest mobilization of youth in ireland i'm pretty sure um definitely yeah Yeah. and it was that was one of the most incredible moments then the pandemic hit and there was this sense um, that we had just lost all of this momentum mm. and it was so heartbreaking. And I remember thinking, you know, like, this is this is the end. Mm. And then we were like, okay, no, we're not giving up. And we organized this big online strike and we got Naomi Klein and Mary Robinson um, to speak. And it was just, it was so lovely. We had a huge turnout as well. And um, it was just kind of this sense of, you know, like, this isn't over. We're going to keep fighting. We're going to find new ways to fight if we can't do that. And that was really the catalyst for me getting involved in like a lot of other movements and less specifically giant global climate strikes too. So it did have its own, you know, merits to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Like no one expected that. And I think we're still struggling a little bit to get that kind of momentum back on the streets. And I think I remember seeing an activist talk. Well, she's kind of a YouTuber and I think she kind of joined the bandwagon of the climate movement. And she was like, saying how she felt so disheartened by the lack of action after she was like well what's the point of going on the streets at all because Mm. we had that many and then afterwards we're still needing change but I mean we're so zoomed in on tiny kind of time frames that we we need to like zoom out and look at the big picture I know that's how I see it how do you get over that disheartened feeling Joanna Macy talks about like taking the small wins so like when we declared a climate emergency, it's like, okay, good. Like, that wouldn't have happened without those student strikes. Mm. Like, absolutely not. The Green Party would not have been voted in <laughs> without the student strikes. Like, what works for you to keep going and giving, like, lots of free time to this much-needed campaign that needs loads of our energy? Like, how do you how do you keep it going? How do you sustain that? For me, I think that, like, community is the biggest thing. Mm. Like, I think the small wins are great, except that they kind of highlight the losses too like I look at the declaring a climate emergency and it's like and what happened from there you know Mm. like when COVID hit we actually treated it like an emergency and there was all of this change and you saw okay so this is how emergencies are treated why aren't we treating the climate emergency like that that so that doesn't really help so much but when I'm looking around and there's all of these people who like are in the fight with me and all these people who have been doing this for years for generations before I was born you know those are the people who give me the strength to keep fighting because I'm doing it for them and I'm doing it with them you know yeah Mm. and how do you think we could get more young people back in the movement back on the streets and kind of building up that momentum again I mean not that you have all the solutions <laughs> but like we're all trying to like think think of ways here and just obviously because I'm way past the Fridays for future age range mm-hmm. I'm like okay well how do I don't want to be coming in like an old person come on guys come on kids let's get in the streets like it kind of needs to come from within so I don't know yeah like have you thought of of kind of what's needed or even for listeners if listeners have kids or there are like young people listening that 
are maybe thinking about getting involved and don't know how, like, what would you say to them? Or how do you think we can build more people, more young people? Mm-hmm. Not that it should be them either. I don't know. Do you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm, I, I'm kind of, I've tried to kind of take a step back in the last year from Fridays for Future, specifically mm. as an organizer on the regional level, because of the fact that I feel like sometimes there's an issue with people, with the movement growing up with the people who started it. So I know that like, like I'm in college now and I'm very worried about pulling the movement to college and all that. Mm. So that's why we started Young Friends of the Earth to kind of put the college people there and leave the school strikes for school students. But there is an amazing movement of now and a new generation of young people rising up in in Dublin there's a big mobilization of the youth and all of that um in kind of trying to like bring energy back to it which is amazing to see and from the perspective of youth engagement I feel like a lot of it comes back to like just like meeting people where they're at so like Mm. you know going into schools finding those people finding the the few passionate people and getting them to spread it around same as it happened in 2019 you know just in the word of mouth it all travels but uh I don't know it's difficult to recreate lightning in a bottle (laughs) yeah that's true like and we have to kind of move from where we are today like in 2023 but I think that's it like it's a nice image to have of like there will be a few students in every school who really care about this Mm -hmm. and if they feel empowered enough to you know start rippling out some kind of change and gathering people to do whatever I mean like I know the Irish Secondary School Sustainability Network is that what it's called ISSN Patrick Kirwin is a teacher he was actually been on this podcast before and he has like this second level um, group it's encouraging students to not only I guess like supporting them when they want to protest especially if they're in schools where teachers don't really like that but to actually kind of get involved with environmental kind of things in their schools so be that gardens Mm -hmm. and growing your own food and whatnot so um, I'll link in the show notes anyway but yeah I guess we just like empowering young people I think is really important I had Saoirse Exton on the podcast before and she was making some really good points and I don't know if you can like echo these or if you you have your own your own thoughts on them of how we don't really value young people mm-hmm. have you experienced that how do you feel about that and oh, well absolutely <laughs> oh my god and if there's one thing that uh all of, like the, since 2019 that I've learned it's the lack of value that is like ascribed to young oh. people which is very depressing I don't know on every level from whether it was you know like people in the people who were our allies or political opposition political parties who wanted to support the movement or whether it was the government who wanted to listen none of them wanted to do anything except you know kind of take what was ours or you know speak over us and give us talking points and um, which is very sad I did like every every time I've engaged with the politician it has never ended in anything other than you know a photo opportunity and mm. you know a message about how inspirational it is to see young people and mm. um, and how does that make you feel here you're oh, such an inspiration it's so frustrating I I accepted um the freedom of the city on behalf of Greta Thunberg the other week and basically my speech was saying that you know we're not here to inspire you we are angry we are here because it's necessary because you haven't done your jobs and afterwards everybody came up and was like wow that was a really uh, inspiring speech that you just gave there that was you really stuck it to the man all these politicians who are in government you are the man I'm trying to stick it to you yeah and it's just frustration because it's like no matter what you say you're always just going to be seen as you know this like yeah inspiration 
an idea with your ideology yeah you're an ideologue and you don't and no matter how much you're saying like oh yeah you know i've been in this field for years i'm doing all this or if you're just a concerned young person there's always going to be the thing of oh look at the idealism of youth you know Mm, it's just so wrong because like they have the power to change things but there is like a tokenistic kind of way they parade young people around or bring them into the doll sometimes for oh look we have a day and the young people will come together and make amazing suggestions and they're like yeah wow thank you for that now on to the next thing or whatever you know like there's not as much change that happens last year in the lead up to cop 27 a few young people were invited to the oireachtas joint environmental committee and it was a day where we were supposed to you know give our speeches and then there was Mm. supposed to be rebuttal and we were supposed to you know build on that and it was just we we said our pieces they said well done that was very good and then we left and it was nothing happened nothing changed it was same frustrating thing again but as well as that there's just this thing where when young people are brought in it's the same thing that happens with any of the with the climate assemblies or anything like that any youth engagement never is is always incredibly lackluster almost intentionally I think workshops are given beforehand and the workshops are given by people who don't understand what they're talking about they're not they, you're not given any of the context that you need as somebody who's been working in this space I'm able to kind of go in and you know say hey these are the issues but youth engagement is supposed to be for all youth so there's a lot of people there who have a base level of the climate knowledge of the climate crisis and they need to be educated before you know they start giving recommendations mm. and they go in they're given nothing and then they're expected to to have a, a full list of recommendations by the end of the day and then it, of course because of that it always ends up being lackluster or with the joint environmental committee we went in and half of the people there had been told the day before that they were going they were 14 to 16 didn't have any briefing on what they were supposed to be doing so of course they're, they, they they did amazing speeches all things considered and it's just if you're going to do youth engagement you have to do it and give people the tools to be able to actually meaningfully engage with you otherwise you're just going to end up with more lip service yeah it is it is just lip service so like right when you have people come up to you you probably have two types of people that say what an inspiration you have people in politics and then you have other adults mm-hmm. what would you what do you want each of those groups to do differently well people in politics is the worst one to be fair like when adults do it i'm like okay when politicians do it i'm like okay well you could be doing more you're being hypocritical when you say this it's a much more antagonizing feeling but when regular adults and regular people even and i say adults people, like we're both adults now yeah. like but older adults I yeah guess. <laughs> i still think of myself as a child you I'm still 30. use them in the un definition <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm, I'm clinging on yeah so yeah so when those groups so it's worse when politicians are doing yeah it. but it, to me when adults or even other young people talk about it i honestly there's a sense of like for me i feel like they're they're like me before i got involved where i'm like <laughs> You have a voice. You have the choice to do something too, you know? And I just want to like take them and throw them into the movement myself because I'm like, I I feel like a lot of those people just see it and they don't, they cannot visualize themselves ever doing something like that because they just have never seen that path open to them before, you know? Mm. What, how, so how would you direct them if people are listening that, you know, aren't actually, there's loads of different ways that people can be in the climate movement but I guess a lot of people 
you know, it might be focusing on community gardening and, and things like that, which are very useful. But when protest day comes, we kind of need as many mm-hmm. feet on the street for that. So like, what would your advice for people to get involved that way? Honestly, just like checking out like your local groups all over the country. There's so many campaigns being run around climate action, you know, fighting different climate injustice that's happening in Ireland. As well as that, you're always going to have local Fridays for Future groups and the different activist groups as well. And apart from that, if you're hearing about protests coming up, even if you don't feel like doing much, even if you just want to stand around, having bodies on the streets is what counts, you know, oh, yeah. and just ha- having the courage to be able to just stand there and support it is really a huge part of it. Yeah, yeah like you don't need to have the megaphone no. in your hand or whatever, but mm-hmm. yeah, just being there adds to the reports later of thousands were on the streets for whatever, you know, like the bodies in the streets are so important. I also want to talk a little bit about the Mary Robinson Climate Conference that we met at. Um, so would you be used to going to kind of places that are all about climate so they say mm-hmm. are you familiar with those kind of rooms and those spaces well i i would be familiar with it from the perspective of like cop and yeah. the sbs and all of that yeah no this i i've been to a few where it's kind of more engaging either the business sector or the NGO sector in climate spaces. I, I kind of have the three sides. So I have the UN side, the NGO slash businessy side, and then also the grassroots side of mm. different types of organizing or conferences. You know? Wow. And are you, if people are like, I don't know how to get involved with these, is it okay if people might message you for oh, advice? absolutely. Oh my God, yeah. Because you've got so many different angles of it which is really cool so yeah i'll put like your your socials in the handle and all so in the show notes but yeah so the mary robinson climate conference i had said i've told listeners before already that i was going to make a mashup of like lots of different kind of suggestions of people from people and you know nice things that they're saying and I'll edit a little mashup but then when you and Saoirse and Magdalena who are also they're also in Fridays for Future and um, decided to protest Eamon Ryan not all of the room but some of the room the reaction you got was quite negative or just like very withdrawn and you saw how much of a bawling mess I was in like guys like I could not stop crying I held it together for when Saoirse spoke after Saoirse got up and did a speech and I was like okay Cara hold it together and then I asked a question to be like how did that make you feel with the rejection in the room and I was like like I couldn't I just could not stop crying because I was like after coming because that was my first I think in-person experience of an event like that where I'm going into it thinking we're all on the same page Mm. that everyone understands that we're 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 not going to get to where we need to be without people on the street ringing the alarm bell to make the government act like it's an emergency like they acted for covid so then I think after coming from Clock Jordan as well, where it was so lovely the week before at this kind of workshop conference thing I was at there, I was just not, I was so shook. But anyway, so I wanted to get you on as well to kind of talk about how you like felt about that. Like, what's it like for you? Because I imagine is it is it scary in general when you kind of do those kind of protests, when you go into a space and you're you're interrupting, disrupting something? And then, yeah, after you answer that, we'll get to, I guess, specifically how Eamon and that and the room made you feel. So that was actually my first time disrupting something. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's, uh, honestly, it feels like every year just I get like a little bit more frustrated and go a little bit further with it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I just, we met with, with Eamon Ryan so respectfully so many times and nothing ever came out of it. And mm. we've met with so many government representatives and he just happened to be the government representative at the Mary Robinson Climate Conference. Mm-hmm. It wasn't specifically a personal attack. No, it's um, never a personal attack yeah. when it's a politician. It's not like you're going to his home. Mm-hmm. Like he's got 
a job title. He's the representative of the Irish government at the conference. Exactly. He is the environmental minister, you know. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so that was my first time disrupting something. Same with Saoirse and Magdalena, as far as I know. Wow. So it was really like a... For me, I was more afraid about not doing it. I, I feel like we're at a stage where we need to start ringing the alarm bells to an extent that we haven't before. So I was afraid not to do it, but I it was very shocking to get the reaction that we got because I didn't expect that either, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. Like, how did that make you feel? If I was a babbling baby because I was so upset and disappointed, but mm-hmm. obviously you held it together. Like, you actually held it together. But how did, like, what was going on for you? Uh, honestly, I, I was just incredibly disappointed in in us, in, in the movement in Ireland. Mm-hmm. And I know that wasn't everybody and I know that room wasn't yeah. representative of it. But it was just incredibly disheartening, especially as somebody who is so passionate about like community justice and, you know, trying to build community in the Irish climate movement to kind of see it just fall apart when there's like an important politician in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, very frustrating. And also... I feel like I learned at a very young age about the importance of a unified front. And, you know, there's certain people that I might disagree with in the movement. There are certain things that I might not think are, like, the best way of doing an action. I would never say that to somebody who wasn't in the climate movement with me because we are stronger together. And we, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, no matter how much I disagree with somebody in the climate movement, we are allies in this fight, you know? So to see people who are much my elders, much more, like, much more experienced in the space, to see them turn on the parts of the movement that they see as less respectable was just incredibly disheartening and it embarrassed me for them. <laughs> oh, yeah, I yeah, I was scarlet for them honestly because I what you said is such I've never phrased it as that like a unifra, unified front but that is what we need like cuz I go on a lot about you can't tone police other activists mm. methods because it makes them weaker like and I think it's like infighting in the vegan movement or infighting in so many movements like it makes you weaker like at the end of the day we all want the same thing we all want climate justice mm. and we all want a livable healthy stable future stable planet healthy tr- thriving ecosystems fresh air you know tasty food so many lovely things we all want but yet when people especially from within I think it hurts more if there's someone on the outside Mm -hmm. is sitting at home or there might be you know they might be a far right person actually on the street protesting the opposite of course they're going to be like I don't like what you're doing okay on your merry way but someone who's like in the same room as you then going the method of which you're doing that is disrespectful, I heard the woman saying beside me, to be scoffed at or to be belittled or to not be supported. I mean, and it's not even that they had to join. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that they weren't necessarily being like, woo, rapturous applause. It was the, there were some people that actually expressed disdain. Yeah, people were shushing. Yeah, I'm like, this is, you're shushing like more was like a frontline activist who's volunteered for years and years and mm. years and most of people in that room are paid probably nice enough salaries to afford to be there or maybe they were even paid to be there by their work like mm. I paid to be there I got a free media pass but I ended up spending like a hundred quid over train and accommodation do you know what I mean and I'm like I'm not made of money but yeah. like to shush activists I just thought was so horrible so like I'm so sorry that you had that experience like I that wasn't even me and I was like oh my god how will I ever disrupt a room because if I don't get the reaction I want I'm gonna burst into tears but I also don't care like I'm a very emotional person and I also think one of the problems in Irish politics and in the movement in general is a lack of emotion like mm-hmm. people are very 
black and white about it and policy and i think we need absolutely and i also think there is a thing that the irish climate movement at least in the youth space is female dominated and every Mm. time that anybody shows any sort of emotion we're labeled as hysterical (gasps) yeah um i don't know like yeah like sirsha talked about it in her speech you know and and, and she was incredible i'm so Mm. proud of her um but the idea that like you're not human if you don't have rage about this sort of thing you're not human if you're not feeling emotions about this sort of thing and we'll try you can try and like not even depoliticize you can try and dehumanize climate change as a concept you can try and look at it as numbers and statistics but at the end of the day it is a very it, it's an issue that should come with a huge amount of emotion for everybody and if you're not feeling that I, I i think you need to like think about something in yourself you know yeah i don't know why anyone would feel it's okay to tone police someone else when we want the same thing in the end. And maybe they were uncomfortable. Like maybe they were like, oh, this is happening. Because I know it's not always comfortable for everyone, but mm. I don't know. So if, if someone, what would you say to anyone who say doesn't agree with Just Stop Oil's methods or protesting or someone and an activist doesn't agree with people who only petition or whatever? Like, what would you say to kind of help people understand that a unified front is important? Mm. I would say that we're in the we're in the midst of a backlash period right now. We had a point at which, you know, protest was being really lauded and it was amazing. And now as more conservative governments are taking over, we're seeing protesters slowly being criminalized. We're seeing it becoming incredibly dangerous to be an activist. And they will always go for the most controversial and the most radical people first. But that's mm-hmm. never where it will stop. And, you know, we can the way that the media has turned on climate protesters, it seems harmless and it seems benign now. And people will make jokes and people will say, oh, well, that was a silly action, wasn't it? But at the end of the day, it will never stop there. And that sentiment will carry on when we're talking about anything got to do with climate justice. And there, there is a great clip of this guy um, talking about how suffragettes were radical and violent. They bombed places. Mm-hmm. Five people died as a result of the suffragette movement, which I'm not saying is okay at all, except that we look back now and we think, oh, you know, well, regardless of their methods they were doing something important and they had a right to do radical action like that. And we need to look at what's happening now and think, you know, objectively, if I'm looking at this from 30 years in the future and I'm looking at the world ending, as we know, I'm looking at people people being impacted by the climate crisis today, dying as a result of the climate crisis today, and people looking at losing their land, losing their livelihood. I can't really blame people for taking radical action in that case, you know? Mm, No, absolutely not. And the idea, like, if I found out, like, if I look back whatever however many years into the past and find out that my granny or something or granddad was like a shusher of suffragettes I'd be like oh mm-hmm. we wouldn't have gotten along I'm like we're you're not that's a, it's a shame like I'd be looking at that going that that is a pity and you know maybe then as the Overton window shifts and it then the vote became oh my god obviously women deserve the right because when the suffragettes are protesting it was like there were protests there were men coming out protesting against us and some women obviously a small minority women as well coming out and being like absolutely not what's next for them you know mm-hmm. like jobs after they marry like independence divorce like all of this it was so like what if we were to put, go back then it was absolutely barbaric the resistance that they were getting and it's like 
that's what we're going to look at right now. The resistance the climate movement is getting. Like last week, we broke the record for hottest day in the hottest day in the world two mm. days in a row. You know, like it's it. I feel like it's really ramping up now, and so activists are getting like more desperate and more just throwing loads of different pies at the wall to see what sticks. And yeah, I think I just totally agree with what you said. Like it's so important to people zoom out and look at this in the bigger picture and even if you don't agree and you're not going to be a person to throw a can of soup on a painting don't belittle them Mm -hmm. you know don't pull the rug out don't slag them or don't make them look bad you go you like focus on your thing we're all on the same side it's also just like if you're not doing anything yourself then I don't think you can throw stones either there's a lot of people who'd be like god I'm so scarlet for them and it's like okay if you think there's a better form of action why don't you take that action you know yeah so true I've gotten into Facebook (laughs) debates with my own friends like people that are following me been like no totally disagree mostly about like just stop oil and I'm like, what What are you doing? Like, I know mm-hmm. I've never seen them on the streets. I, I don't know. They're not. Now, they could be doing stuff that they're just not sharing about online. But I'm like, come out and show me. Tell me yeah. you would do it. Honestly, sitting on your couch being like, oh, I don't agree with this. I'm like, oh, please, sir. You know, so, yeah, I just have no patience for that kind of thing. But, yeah, is there anything else, I guess, from... Um, the conference or Eamon Ryan specifically I, I, I put up a video about it on my Instagram and someone made a very good point on, underneath it in response to the woman who was like god it's so disrespectful like mm. about what you guys were doing and uh, this woman Annette she was like the Green Party would be nowhere if not for the schools if it wasn't for Greta Thunberg's movement and the Green Wave they wouldn't have gotten the biggest vote they ever got like Genuinely, so yeah. So you've met, so does Eamon Ryan even know who you are? Like, would he know you to see you even all the times that you've met him? Uh, Probably. uh, You never know. (laughs) I don't know. We've met enough times that I don't know how many people he meets in a day, you know. Mm. (laughs) But yeah. Yeah. Um, But he, there is a problem where people know Greta and then they go, and the Irish climate strikers. And then we all just kind of meld into one person in their brain, so... Because some people might think that that was your first time meeting meeting this government representative or whatever. That was my frustration, that there yeah. was people saying, why don't you engage with him respectfully? The thing is, we met him at COP26. We met him at COP27. I met him in the Joint Environmental Committee in the Oireachtas. And that that's just me. But as a movement, we've met him multiple times as well in other scenarios and we've engaged incredibly respectfully with him Mm -hmm. and nothing has come out of that so this was like this was a a desperate attempt after years of trying to be respectful and kind yeah and even still we were hardly disrespectful in the way that we went about it and it wasn't even i'm sorry but he wasn't even making a good speech Mm. like there was so (laughs) many better speakers up to that point the whole thing was based off ushin cochlin from friends of the earth he did an amazing speech the Mm. day before talking about how do you know what? He's been like pussyfooting around how he should talk about the movement because he just doesn't want to upset the government. He wants to keep everyone on side. So he's always like in the middle going, yeah, it's kind of bad, but look all the things we can do, blah, blah, blah. And then he, Eamon Ryan was like, do you know what, Oshin? in regards to this thing you said, you said that you're scared. And you know what? I feel that too. But I also think there's hope. And it's like, it was just this wishy-washy thing. And to put him on like any kind of pedestal I believe in his 
soul and his humanity he there is god there is a nugget of him that cares but it's also like he steps into the politician suit they all do and then they become like we can't admit any wrongdoing on the government or else we look bad when really if i'm telling someone here look what you're doing isn't good enough and i'd like you to do better the first thing i'd like to hear is go is to hear them say do you know what yeah you're right yeah and then hopefully they'll change it as opposed to going um no now like I just you know, I was still oh stop I was fuming I was I was fuming and simultaneously a ball of mm-hmm. tears so do you think you'll go to like more events like that probably yeah. I, <laughs> a, yeah. a, a huge part of me is like no never again but like yeah. I mean at the end of the day that's how you have to engage sometimes you have to meet people where they're at and whether that's to engage with it in a genuine way because you think you can get something out of it or whether that is to disrupt it I'll be there in some form. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think because afterwards I was like, Jesus, I don't know if I'll do that again. I definitely won't be paying so much money. Like, I can't yeah. afford that. Like, Mm-mm. I was lucky to get a media pass, but, like, it was 40 euro for, like, a normal person's... And what ends all the way in Balanat, when it was just lovely, but just public transport really needs to be improved. Amen. If you could work on that, please. But, yeah, I think it is important to kind of, like build solidarity within the movement as well like we do need that absolutely um and despite like differences like as as a vegan i'm not going to be like kicking out any farmers that come into the room like if we don't work together we're going to get nowhere mm-hmm. anyway what has been some of your protest highlights what's are some some of your favorite moments from the years Oh, that's a really tough question. Mm. Um, honestly, the protests that happen at COP are always amazing. And mm. um, they're just so much fun. And I feel like you're able to be incredibly specific and niche with your protest ideas in a way that you just can't be when you're outside of that area. I said that you're able to be like, put mitigation on the agenda or, you know, fill yeah. the loss and damage fund, which like, just like none of that is like general enough to be able to use in a in, in more general protest yeah. angle. Um, so that's always so much fun and um, we did like it this big if 1.5 dies there will be blood in your hands action where we like uh we couldn't bring paint into the venue so we figured out that if we all just brought in like red lipstick we could use that and ah. so we like uh all like painted our hands and faces and whatever and we did this it was this dramatic action at like the entrance of the cop and it was so good and that was so much fun that was in cop 27 and what was that for what was that it was about um just like 1.5 degrees oh 1.5. yeah okay, so it was, if yeah. 1.5 dies blood on your hands basically was the vibe um so yeah that one and then obviously the like big global climate strikes here are amazing oh my god september 2019 is like my highlight of all time it was incredible yeah there's such a good atmosphere and like it charges your batteries like so much just knowing that there's other people out there and then when you need to take a break or whatever you know deal with the overwhelming news or whatever you know that there you've seen those thousands of people on the streets they'll continue and we kind of we ebb and flow and kind of keep each other going how do you deal with overwhelming news yourself like do you take time off or do you have like (laughs) tips or do you just wing it Uh, when I figure that out I'll let you know Uh, I kind of just 
go until I can't. I, okay, no, I'm getting better at it. I think that, again, community is so important. And yeah. I'm very bad at regulating myself. All of my friends are very bad at regulating themselves. But together, we all look after each other. And oh, we all go, nice. bestie, you need to take a step back. I'll take this and vice versa. Yeah. Which is really nice. It's really handy to have that. That is really lovely because I think we put all the onus on ourselves. And like mm-hmm. sometimes you do. You you need your friends. Like you, if you're doing this with your friends or you have like a circle of activists or neighbours or whatever. Yeah, that's really nice. You can jump into it together and then be like, okay, here. <laughs> no, It you can be so individualising and you really yeah. need to be able to like have people to like hold you when things are going wrong. You yeah, know? no, that's a really, that's a really good tip. Um, for sure and then I guess in the kind of wider lens so this whole podcast Book of Leaves listeners can take a leaf out of your book to add to their own way of living Unified Front is the main thing I would love people to take home is there anything else that you would like to share like any other tips and it doesn't have to be activism related it could be anything at all you found has helped you live lighter on the planet to help other people as well uh, a big thing for me is solidarity not allyship Okay, what are the differences? So, I I, I don't know. I, I, a lot of it, this is all stolen from Emma DeBerry and what white people can do next. She's <gasps> oh gosh, incredible. That book is but, so good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's, but um, that honestly is like my tenet for like activism or whatever. But just the idea of allyship is very much like, oh, I'm like aligning myself with these people who need my help, you know? And I think that we really need to look at the idea of intersectionality and the fact that my struggles and a future that is better for me will always be intertwined with the struggles and the justice that for everybody else. So I am not fighting just for these people. I'm fighting for a better world for myself and them too, you know? Mm. I don't know. I, I, it really bothered me actually at the conference. At the end, they were asked a question about like how climate change will impact them in their lives. And I think actually, I think that was supposed to be if we do nothing, how will it happen? But the way that everybody interpreted the question was how will climate action impact my life? So everybody was going... Yeah, I'm going to find it really hard not to take a plane. And, oh, you know, cycling everywhere is kind of hard sometimes. And I was looking at it and I was thinking, if we are looking at climate action and climate justice as something that is put upon us, if we are looking, we are saying, yes, this will be a more just world. It will also be a world that is harder for me. That is not a world that we can actually fight for. The Mm -hmm. world that we need to fight for is one that is more just more fair more equitable for everybody you know because that is what climate justice entails like a world in which we achieve climate justice is one that is radically transformed and it is a positive thing it is something that we should be aspiring for you know not just because of the climate crisis but because it will be a better world you know i don't know that's my way of thinking about it we're fighting for a better world for us all rather than because i'm an ally and a savior that is, no, that's so true. That saviorship comes into things a lot. And yeah, I can't recommend uh, What White People Can Do Next by Emma DeBerry enough. Like, it's such a good book. That's a really good point for people to take. And yeah, I'm just like, yes, yes. Everything Jessica says. Yes, yes, yes. Um, I did find as well the question that they asked, like it was quite negative or mm-hmm. something. So yeah, because what we talk about often is just like sacrifice. And like, say, for example, whatever way we manage flights in Ireland, like that there's a flight quota or maybe Europe is so high up on trains that Ireland as an island is given maybe more of a flight quota or something or whatever way we work it out right 
people are like, oh, I might not be able to take as many holidays or whatever. Or you would just have like a really close relationship with Ireland. Mm-hmm. Imagine the beaches being so clean and the water never having pollution that you can swim in it whenever you want without, you know, the risk of infection. Imagine your community being so tight knit that when you go on holiday you really miss them and yeah. you don't and you're like really looking forward to coming home and seeing your neighbours again and hanging out and playing games or having lunch on the street with your friends or whatever. Like there's so many positive things and like three day work week if everyone has like universal basic income and can like invest in their creativeness or their whatever it is that they want to do with their life. Like there is so much to gain and yeah I think it's really important that we we look at climate justice for for all as well and it's not it's not pie it's not like the in the gender debate like more rights for them means less rights for me mm. that's not how it works no no everyone will have a better life <laughs> like there is no competition for equality because it's all intertwined yeah yeah like it's yeah exactly it equality unlike the resources of the planet won't run out yeah no, it's literally, it's this capitalistic way of looking at things where we yeah. think, oh, I need to get more so they don't take it. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also something really interesting in the way that sometimes when we're looking at climate action or anything like that, any sort of struggle, we, we tend to always have to look at it in contrast to the oppressor or the violence or the negative thing that's happening. I don't know, like for like feminism, for example, a huge issue is defining ourselves outside of patriarchy because feminism for so long has been fighting against men. So how mm. do we look at ourselves and think of ourselves outside of that? Mm-hmm. And I think a it can become exhausting in the climate movement when you're constantly, you know, when you're constantly thinking, defining your struggle by the negative forces. Mm-hmm. And I think that pulling yourself apart from that and looking at a world where we take the fossil fuels out of the equation, we take the pollution out of the equation, we take capitalism out of the equation, we think, what would that world look like, you know? Looking at your activism from a place of love and from a place of aspiration is always going to be so much more fulfilling. Mm. It's always going to lead to better results. Yeah. Definitely. Which leads me on to my last question. And this is beautifully tied in. The last couple of episodes, I've been inspired by uh, Rob Hopkins, who works on imagination. And he thinks that we're in a crisis of imagination because just like that, we can't imagine we're like great with our black mirror and our dystopian futures. But where's the world that we actually want? Imagine that and move towards it. So if we step into an imaginary time machine and we go into the future when it is worked out, you can decide however far away that is but climate justice has arrived we're, we're like treating the climate emergency as it's supposed to be treated and like it's good paint a picture like what's it what does that future what's one of your favorite things about this future or what does that look like for you um for me it, it's a future that is first off not tied into capitalism it's a future in which <laughs> we are like where we have a much more ecological mindset and um, it's a future where we are built upon community where we share resources rather than hoarding them. It's a decolonized future. It's a future where we don't have empire and a future where Ireland has learned to stop colonizing itself. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I love that. Amazing. And is there anything else that you would like to share with listeners before we wrap up? Drink some water, (laughs) uh, love yourself and uh, keep fighting. (laughs) 
yeah keep and, finding the good yeah, fight yeah keep that's the good it fight. Um, but where do people find you your socials or anything up north it gets cold on Instagram don't ask long story <laughs> uh, same on Twitter but it's just up north's cold that's it amazing <laughs> Jessica thank you so much for your time I really appreciate it thank you for having me alright so I'm tuning back in still in the rainy gardens in Ravensdale Forest in Dundalk um, where I'm working this week I hope you guys enjoyed this interview don't forget to give Jessica a follow and no matter what age you are there is a place for you in this movement but I think we definitely need to give more um, heedance to young people who are not conditioned by the oppressive systems that we've already built and we see as normal in society today so listen to the young people in your life ask for their opinion and imagine a better future and yeah just whatever you do focus on having a unified front and I think we can welcome a million different approaches to activism we don't need to have one approach even if it makes you uncomfortable let's let other activists do their thing as long as they're not hurting anybody having a unified front is the way forward okay so this has been a long enough episode if you've any suggestions or topics you would like me to cover please do get in touch i love getting your messages on instagram or on facebook and twitter um which i'll probably be leaving soon but anyone on twitter um is obviously still able to message me and i have an email as well book of leaves podcast at gmail.com so please do reach out if you've any topics or anything i'm gonna go run from under this tree back through the rain into the rehearsal room <laughs> Enjoy the rest of your week. Hopefully you go to Climate Camp. And yeah, I'll be back in two weeks' time with another guest. Take care. Bye.